welcome one and all to your Ms. Marvel podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me to my right is a man who needs no introduction. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. I swear he gets it wrong on purpose. The Ms. Marvel podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode three, Destined, is brought to you by Brown Jovi. They do it all. Pete, making our way around the horn as we do before we dive on in here. Tomorrow, we'll be talking the Obi-Wan Kenobi finale. Or is it? I think it is. But I know it's the last episode of the six-episode series, and we'll be discussing it tomorrow. Yeah, that second season, Matt, up in the air. If fans want it, they will make it. Uh, We will discuss whether or not that's warranted tomorrow, of course. And then on Sunday, we'll be bringing you Strange New Worlds, Star Trek, uh, the uh, spinoff here, their anti-penultimate episode for season one. In an episode that was both familiar and deeply surprising uh, and one of the best, certainly one of the best offerings of this young series. So can't wait to dive on into that. Looking farther into the future, Pete, the Thor Love and Thunder red carpet premiere was last night. So lots of excitement there. And of course, we will be podcasting uh, the movie, which comes out uh, Friday, July 8th. We'll be podcasting it on Monday, July 11th. That's uh, 7-Eleven. So get your uh, feedback ready for that. Set your calendars. Not going to want to miss out. Let's embiggen our look at this episode. British-occupied India, 1942. A cavern is inspected by several people, and Najma alerts Faria and Salim she has found the bangle on a severed blue-skinned arm. But, like her, they heard what the man from the temple said. Aisha approaches and said they need two bangles. Uh, She wants to see it, which she removes from the severed arm. Salim asks where the other is. Faria told him the British probably looted this place twice over. Uh, British soldier is heard off screen. Aisha says one bangle is going to have to do, and Najma sends the others to check on Adam. Najma tells Aisha they don't know what just one bangle will do, and Faria reports the British are setting the cave on fire. Although, Matt, I'm not really sure how you set a cave on fire being made of rock. Uh, Aisha says they have to try to return to their home with the bangle, putting it on, her eyes glowing Najma did not see it, though, as fire begins to rain from above. Najma tells Aisha they can't let the British get the bangle, so they embrace and split up. It is made clear that Najma is Kamran's mom, and we are now in the present day. The whole looting crew is uh, is also in the present time. Uh, there's the explanation that they are from another dimension, having been exiled here. They almost got home, then were separated again. 
The assumption is that Aisha uh, was separated from their group during all the partition craziness. Uh, however, they all appear to be so young. Uh, it is confirmed for us, Pete, just in case there were any kind of Edward Cullen-esque concerns of uh, age differentials here. Comron officially 17, so we can stand down from any concerns in that department. Uh, he still thinks that Kamala is adorable. Later, Kamala and Najma talk, uh, putting on the bangle, let forth the presence of Noor, our inner light. The power of Noor is what slows down aging, uh, but perhaps uh, Kamala can have access to all of the powers. Indeed, perhaps one day, Kamran will find his own uh, source of things, which will unlock his, his power, his potential, and so forth. Uh, but don't bad things happen due to having this bangle? Kamala asks, you know, kids being dropped onto, to car roofs, drone chases, all that craziness. Uh, Najma says the bangle is what brought them all together. Uh, others might see Kamala as a kid playing dress up, but there is an inner greatness there. So should Kamala hand over the bangle? It's, Aisha's wish for these people to go home. These clandestines, a.k.a. Unseen, a.k.a. Dijin. Uh, and yes, she did say Dijin. We get a great title card, and then Pete Bruno's back. Kamala bursts into his place to tell him about her crazy night. He tells her she can't just text him that she's alive and go to sleep. She was chased by drones, and they're trying to drop the lousy nightlight name. She tells him what she is and how gin stories are worse than ghost stories because they're real. She learned it from the gin people who saved her from those drones and confirm his suspicions about Comron as he's one. But they needed her help which means she needs Bruno's help. She asks if he knows anything about interdimensional travel, and it reminds him of a paper he read by a doctor, Eric Selwig. She tells him to reread it while she goes to pick up stuff for the Mendy. This is a celebration prior to her brother's wedding. Uh, but before she goes, he shares a trending video of her. With that, we cut to footage of the DODC entering the neighborhood mosque. Deaver is there to wave a badge and talk about that enhanced individual, uh, presumably, Deaver says, operating out of the mosque. Uh, the Sheikh denies it. Uh, he'd love, however, to have someone with her powers clean out the gutters. Uh, Pete, a small but wonderful presentation here by the Sheikh, who is, who is showing... Um, you know, showing a compassionate response to this rather aggressive entry here. DOD, DODC is ready to search the premises, uh, but Nakia says no. Uh, the criminal code says that law enforcement needs a warrant. Uh, Deaver says, however, it's best to cooperate. Um, however, ultimately, uh, Deaver and the DODC is told to vamoosh. Uh, and on the way out, the DODC is told, uh, if you do return, make sure you remove your shoes. Kamala watches another video in her room here, alternating delight and dismay. Nakia comes in, takes off her hijab, and 
face plants on the bed about dance practice is this because if you try you can really get on kamala's level uh nakia says that she's a phenomenal dancer herself uh and initially won't tell kamala what is wrong but kamala wants to talk about wait it's her on the computer it's nightlight that's a dumb name by the way they agree and we're told kamala's told that damage control an armed government agency in case you're unclear uh came into the mosque today like they needed another target on their backs this night light character whoever she is doesn't seem to notice and if she does she doesn't care uh dodc with the whole good muslim bad muslim let's surveil our own people routine uh it even ruined their election result meeting you know the one where nakia was confirmed to have won a seat on the mosque board i like how that reveal is somewhat underplayed in the in the dramatic tension of the scene and then of course she needs to repeat it which a is good for the audience and b just fits the you know fits the the flavor of the moment um but of course now it is officially time to get ready for the mendy we move to the house filled to the brim uh and and lots of uh enthusiastic partygoers and so forth uh references made to how some family has come 28 hours and four connections to get all the way to jersey city for this uh how terrible that uh sana that's of course mom's mom couldn't make it uh, but of course, less drama, right? You know, we know about all these mother-daughter struggles. Uh, hey, Kamala, don't be troublesome to your mother. Matt, the knowledge that uh, Zenobia Shroff was dealing with the passing of her mother as she is filming this series and here having to talk about her character's disappointment that her mother is unable to come uh, perhaps makes for the best type of performance out of such grief. Yeah. To, to not see that grief on screen speaks to her power and professionalism as an actress. I, I can't, I can't conceive of what that must be like. I, I mean, Pete, you and I alike are both uh, lucky enough to, to have both, sets of parents still here, et cetera, et cetera. But let alone now we're going to work a 14 hour day where there's cameras on you and you need to really separate your real life from the pretend life of this person who only exists between action and cut. Um, it's again, just a compliment to that, that acting power that Zenobia Shroff has. As the Mendy continues here where the bride Taisha has the henna tattoos put on her as she is fed. Amir comes down and uh, chides everyone for having stolen all of his shoes. They're supposed to traditionally prank him by just hiding a pair. Uh, one of the aunties asks the sheik if the FBI accused him of being the minaret madman. Uh, but he says they only poked around the mosque. No biggie. Sounds 
uh, like they knew something about anything about this uh, masked neighbor. Kamala asks, saying that they know that she's brown, uh, likely a Muslim girl. Uh, Muniba says, look at all this trouble that this uh, young woman is causing. Uh, her mother should be ashamed. Maybe she will be eventually. Uh, and adds that Bruno came by earlier, said he could not get out of his shift, but left a box here for Kamala. Uh, and later, when Kamala is outside on the porch, uh, she, she's got that box, not going to open it quite yet. Uh, Sheikh Abdullah uh, is asked how he views this new masked neighbor. Uh, is she making things worse? The Sheikh notes uh, that a boy was saved uh, last night, uh, so he might not see this masked neighbor as a problem. Uh, uh, Kamala wonders, how can the masked girl convince others that she's good? Uh, and Sheikh Abdullah replies that good is not a thing you are. It is a thing that you do. So real emphasis there on, on action, not, uh, not inaction. She unwraps the box once he leaves and finds in it the iconic mask worn by the character in the comics. At Circle Q later on, Bruno continues his research when Asef comes in telling him he missed quite the party. Uh, asks Bruno if he can keep a secret and then brandishes a hostess fruit pie cherry. He is forbidden by Muniba uh, to eat these, but there's just something about their syntheticness. And Matt, these are also one of my weaknesses. It's been forever since I've had a hostess cherry pie, but I can, I would agree that just the, the tartness of the cherry, the sweetness of the syrup within which the cherries exist, the the crispy pie, the the glazed surface. Uh, they have engineered some great um, chemicals to make it taste like it's a good thing. Uh, doubtless not good for you, but but perhaps good for the soul. Of this secret, uh, Bruno uh, will certainly safely be in the know. Uh, oh, he, d don't notice, Dad, as Bruno's been reading about the djinn. Uh, Pops is going to take a look. Look, there's even some portion in Urdu. And Dad translates. He notes that uh, these supernatural beings are of pre-Islamic folklore. Might be called genies or demons. The hidden djinn have been damned to this world, moving in the shadows, searching for a key to get home, a key that uses primordial power. So I hope... Pete, you are clear. Uh, yes, this is a, a legendary view of these real life, real life in the MCU uh, folks, but lots of lots of danger and things to be worried about in their in their traditional rendering. Not a story, of course, that Yusuf has heard before. Later in Bruno's apartment, Kamala is, uh, you know, patting her knee there. Uh, he plugged her power signature uh, and ran a simulation. Um, and she notes that she's injured her knee when she uh, had a, a drone smack into her and then fell off a truck um, in the paper by Selwig that she's that he's read. Um, 
about possible interdimensional travel. They need the base energy of a sun and every single theoretical paper downplays the margin of error. Um, she wants him to say that like he has a social life. And Bruno says, if she helps them go home, some things might go boom. Pete, this is two episodes of stuff we've podcasted in two separate weeks, which is to say last week's Star Trek Strange New Worlds and this week's Ms. Marvel, where the nuts and bolts explanation is things go bad, things go boom. So if nothing else, I guess that's a way to make clear to the audience things go bad, things go boom. Um, Kamala, though, takes the optimistic look, so there is a chance it will work. Uh, she says that surely she can't be a superhero, so maybe she just needs to do this to help the djinn uh, get home. Bruno, at this point, shares that he's gotten into Caltech. He thinks he needs to go, but he's not going to leave her unless he's sure that she's, you know, that everything is okay. He, I think love was perhaps almost professed there, but maybe they're saving it for, I don't know, in episode six. Um, he's okay to help her her help those people but right now today he does not see a safe way for this to be done kamala says that carol danvers wouldn't wait she'd take action like punch a hole in space uh but bruno calls that reckless and says it's maybe okay to not be carol danvers later on kamala is tending to a scrape on her knee when her mother finds her she tells her she fell off a bike there and asks her mother if she ever felt the world up against her. Uh, America was her mountain. Her mother explains uh, she and Kamala's father dreamed so much to make it to America. And when they did, it was so hard. He had work very long hours for little money. Amir was barely out of diapers and mom's English was not so good. She never felt so alone in her whole life. What did she do? She found the mosque. She found aunties Ruby and Hamira and her family and let them love her. Whatever mountain Kamala is facing, she doesn't have to do it alone. So they hug. It's okay. Cheer up. Amir is getting married. Who would have thought? The conclusion of this scene with that hug and with tears from them both, it does not feel like acting. It feels like reacting. It feels like genuine emotion there, uh, particularly in a scene that is a reminder that sometimes, some days, that American mountain does feel uh, more difficult to climb. And here they're, they're finding fellowship uh, to to try and reach the top together. Later, Kamala is texting Kamran, uh, and uh, Kamala says she needs more time to be able to help. Uh, but of course, it is finally uh, the time. Uh, the time has come for the wedding. So, kind of some quick. It's the day. It's the night. Now we're at the next day. Uh, Amir is pacing the room. He's all dressed up. Uh, and again, Pete, I know I've said this on podcast in the last couple of weeks. You know, the idea of no small parts, only small actors. Okay, Amir is not the focus of this show by any stretch of the imagination. But boy, for him to say 732, what's that? 732 and such and such 
uh, cents. That's all the money he has in his checking account. I mean, seven three two, our area code around here. Uh, it's all connected, as we record just outside of Westview, New Jersey, and so forth. Uh, but again, it's just such an honest character moment here. We go, you know, we've all had, you know, we've we've all had those tough times. Uh, Dad is impressed that there's that there's even seven hundred and thirty two dollars in the checking account. But now is not the time to worry. After grad school, it'll sort itself out. A reminder, Pete, of the value of in, uh, of education, of investing in your education. Dad says that a man can live a life of fear or a life of love. Uh, the man who chooses love chooses passion, faith, courage. Uh, Amir, it is noted by Dad, bravely dresses as a man of faith in public. He will confess that faith in his wedding. And a man who chooses this daily is never alone. This is a beautiful, heartfelt scene that is not dependent on uh, the MCU, Kevin Feige, Phase 4 plans, how will it all conclude, where's the Fantastic Four, where's Bruce Banner. None of this is needed in the power of this scene. Character, character, character. And what it does additionally is build the character of Kamala, who's kind of peering unseen and witnessing this overhearing it um so uh he's brave because he's chosen uh family and uh a man or a young woman who does that is never alone um meanwhile matt we head to the wedding itself uh i love I don't know whether this is a traditional situation or whether they just shot it this way, but to have both the couple with the officiant and their families there all kind of seated on the couch, uh, their moms and dads was a, was a nice way to have that viewed. Uh, and the Sheikh explains that he's never seen a couple so certain in their love as they are of themselves. Uh, and then, as is uh, practice, asks the bride three times if uh, she chooses the husband and vice versa. Uh, love, too, that Amir says at first that he's down and then gradually with the more serious and sincere answers. Uh, Matt, listeners may or may not know that a divorce is carried out in the same way by saying it three times. Well, I will only say, I, don't, I think I will need to say one time that this wedding as presented here looks uh, a lot more chill, maybe more fun than uh, all of the Western-style weddings i've ever been to whether they were uh christian or or non-religious this just looks like there there are some jokes to be had there are some laughs given and so forth uh the the union successful uh huzzah to that we go back to najma's house where najma has been scoping uh the phone uh Kamran's phone uh of course Kamran, it's dangerous to send them home uh but Najma does not care about such risks. Uh, it seems to be necessary to make Kamala send them home. So some some tension there. We go back to the reception where things are lovely. Uh, Bruno is uh, 
kind of standing in for for some of us folks who might be slightly less familiar with the particulars there although bruno has presented uh more familiar with such things than i think you or i pete pete take us through this lovely uh lovely tradition this lovely way to show how the couple can grow together so the uh heads are not bashed together but you know people come by and they knock them together and bruno asks one of the aunties the point there fortitude so that every time they clash they become closer is it true who knows it's just fun to do it uh nakia is present at the reception as well uh we get not an elaborate but a really fun and lively uh dance sequence here with uh muniba starting it off and then yusuf joining her the hillmans eventually both mom dad and it seems like taisha has a little brother who did the stealing of the shoes uh earlier uh and then kamala is of course lifted because she's the star of the show uh along with some of the other women and bruno and then matt look it's uh executive producer and uh ms marvel creator sana Aminat. uh I, I spotted that as well uh pete perhaps i would not have known her by sight before we went to the paley center and we're in the same room as her but i definitely i appreciated the camera push in to give her mm-hmm. not quite a close-up but certainly enough to sit and say if you're in the know or if you're if you happen to know her there's uh sana Aminat. so uh, a wonderful moment for celebration pete the celebration continues for for part two of things here uh, the the debut of Brown Jovi, ready for all the options, including uh, Eid, Bar Mitzvahs, and Quinceañeras. Uh, but off to the side, Pete, though the party's about to get started here, Kamran needs to talk to Kamala. You're in danger. Your whole family is. Everyone will be killed if help with the bangle and the powers is not given. Uh, Bruno steps in, even as Kamala is told that everyone will die. So Kamala's solution is to pull the fire alarm. Quick, everyone, let's go. Yeah, that Brian, he needed to back off there. Uh, So the distraction, the classic distraction of pulling the fire alarm, as Kamala noted here, as living on a prayer begins to play, not from Brown Jovi, from Bon Jovi in the background. Amir grabs the money what to add to his measly $732 and 49 cents. Uh, and Comron's mother says not to get in his way in a back hallway, Matt, uh, Kamala witnesses Salim down a manager. Let's call him Tommy. And he used to work on the docks. I understand that reference. Kamala ducks into the kitchen. Everyone get out of here. Uh, the kitchen staff just goes back to work. Uh, however, when one, one cook is punched, uh, I believe the line is, you know, uh, enough of this or or I'm leaving and the staff promptly leaves. Absolutely not. Mm? <laughs> mm. Mm. As the djinn make their way toward Kamala, she's attacked uh, with... Uh, 
living on a prayer, continuing to play, which adds a fun levity to things. Um, it, it maybe wouldn't be my tonal choice, but I'm not disagreeing with the final product. Uh, we have a quick, a quick check-in outside the dining hall where, you know, Pete, usually these places have two rooms, not one. So we've been with uh, the the uh, con wedding party. Uh, the other wedding party ha has been ruined as well. Uh, there's an Asian bride reduced to tears. Uh, she's told by Taisha, at least she looks wonderful. Uh, police enter the building and Kamala is cornered and hiding back in the kitchen. But of course, Pete, we have a bit more of story business outside. Bruno has no answers. But Pete, some people out there have a theory or two. Yes, Auntie Zara is telling anybody who will listen that it was Kamala who pulled the alarm. She saw it with her own eyes. Her eyes are not good, Pete. Her eyes are not good. <laughs> yes, I love how the aunties spill the tea on other aunties to their face. You, The DMV revoked your license. <laughs> uh, but Muniba and Yusuf hear this as, of course, they are searching for their daughter, Back in the kitchen, Matt, where we're in the hide-and-seek portion of the fight, uh, and Najma says that it's no use for Kamala to resist them as she hides. The bangle was made for something bigger than her. Don't be selfish. With the lights out, uh, Najma says, you know, help us and it'll all be over. Uh, th there's kind of a, a fake-out hit. Uh, which causes uh, Kamala's hard light to shine, which is a really nice use of like the hard light light portion of things. I, I think that perhaps that's straight out of the comics. I don't know, but a nice little story turn there. Um, Kamala is hit out into the, the the party space proper, where it is four to one against Kamala. Uh, she starts to run, hard light protecting her, some hard light platforms and so forth, but but only barely protecting her. Uh, she is properly found, and it's uh, Bruno uh, who's there ready to uh, throw a present to distract one of the baddies. Uh, Kamala punches one out, then three, uh, and then Kamran is there ready to fight for Kamala with Kamala. It's some complicated emotional uh, things here. Bruno gets hit and hurt pretty hard, uh, and Kamran wants Brian out of there ASAP. Uh, they head out of the reception area proper. Uh, Kamala helping Bruno limp down the stairs there. Adam is there with his mace. Uh, Kamran is sent uh, through a glass railing by Salim. And then Faria is there to tell them they have nowhere to go. Uh, Kamala asks Najma why they're doing this she said they were going to protect her why should we protect those who betray us though and when she takes hold of the bangle it glows uh there's another vision of the train this with the name karachi visible on it as it comes towards the camera but then, Matt, there are a bunch of DODC jackboots and Agent Deaver. Yes, they are quickly arresting uh, 
our baddies, their baddies in the gin. Luckily, Kamala and Bruno are just able to slide away unseen, uh, which makes it two episodes in a row where something like that has happened. But hey, Pete, such is as it is. In the back of the space, Kamala and Bruno are out. Indeed, Kamala hard lights the door closed. Uh, Nakia sees Kamala's hard light uh, action there. Bruno tells Kamala to run. He'll explain things to uh, Nakia. Uh, but later, back home, Kamala needs to give the family answers. She's told to just be honest. Pete, she just can't be honest with them. Not about this, though. Uh, so she goes up to her room, pondering things. Wait, Pete, who's on the phone? That would be her grandmother here, her nanny, Sana, um, told by her uh, grandmother that she needs to come to Karachi, but Kamala says that her mother will not let her go. They both need to come. Did she see it? Did she see the train? Uh, Nani saw it too, and that's why they have to come. And she hangs up as we can see Captain Marvel on Kamala's phone. We are searching the internet for theories. Pete, let's start with this. It is well known that the show's production, uh, actually after filming episodes one, two, three, and six, then moved to Thailand for episodes four and five. My assumption was, therefore, the narrative goes to Thailand. Um, but here we are. You need to come to Karachi. Come to Karachi. You need to come to Karachi. Pete, in the story, where are we headed? Thailand or Karachi, Pakistan? <laughs> well, uh, obviously, Thailand is going to stand in for Karachi, Pakistan here. I guess the real question, how is Kamala going to convince her mother to go there, this estranged relationship with Kamala's grandmother, with Muniba's mother. Uh, so how are they going to bridge that divide? I, w I think there's dramatic um, potential in like Kamala sneakily buys a ticket. Like I think that it would be, uh, I'm certainly not saying, hey kids, go buy tickets for international travel and Uber your way to the airport and get on a plane and go to another country, another continent, and so forth. How's she going to get her mother, though? Is it possible? Because how old is she? 16? She might be able to try. Let me this way. In the world of the MCU, regardless of what current State Department things are in place in our world, she might be old enough to fly on her own. She might be old enough. Like, I think it could be a fun bit of story to be like, Bruno, let's use that emergency credit card. Let's this, let's that, you know, make your way to JFK airport and fly on out. Like, I think that that, that could show among other things, you know, it's not an act of heroism, like punching a hole in space, but here she is standing up for what she believes in taking action and so forth. How does that get her mother to Karachi? Um, maybe her mother follows after. Okay. Hey, Mom, I'm FaceTiming from Karachi. I'll be on the next plane. Two edits later, Mom is there and angry. The sequence at the beginning of this episode from 1942, <clears throat> the severed blue arm, Matt. Yes, they check genies, but I doubt we've got the 
Disney crossover Aladdin genie here just yet? Are these Cree? Um, it would be it would be fun if they are Cree. It would be fun if you know some of the time that we spent in Agents of Shield with Cree, with Inhumans, and all of that. If this I don't want to say necessarily connects to it, but if it kind of backs into that world, that would be fun. Longtime listeners know I am somewhat dubious as to how welcoming Marvel Studios as a as a division, how welcoming Marvel Studios is towards the the former Marvel TV stuff. That said, I think at this point, A, they've won and that there is no more Marvel TV, and B, they know the fans have a lot of passion about about a lot of those shows so to do something like have a Cree reference have an inhuman reference that sort of thing could be appreciated while not necessarily being the focus of the episode so the other bangle not there is there still this other bangle and will we see them reunited I feel like you know Going by the rule of Chekhov's gun, now they've said it. If there's never, ever another bangle again, well, why in the heck did you mention it in the first place? You could just say, it's the bangle of power, and that's it. Um, I would say, I would feel good about somewhere in the next two episodes, the second bangle is found. It, maybe there's a fight over it. Maybe it's searched for in episode four, found in episode five, uh, and then a triumphant Ms. Marvel has it in episode six to return to Jersey City, where the threat of blank is now overcome because of the power she had in her all along. But she's not clicking together two ruby slippers. She's clicking together the two bangles that, that give her the power that she had all along. The logo of the Ten Rings, very clearly visible in this cave in the beginning. Our end credit scene uh, in Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, establishing that those rings have some sort of a beacon in them. Uh, clearly, the clandestines, these jinn, attracted to Kamala's presence by her activating it. Matt, it's all connected? It certainly could be. I suppose my initial reaction is like, Oh, all Asian Marvel stories are connected? Question mark. I don't love that as an idea, but I do like the idea. You know, regardless of MCU cultural background, uh, there is, of course, you know, a, a connection to many of these things. And we've already established the Ten Rings having been a presence for thousands of years uh, within that part of the world. So to have some sort of overlap in a way that makes story sense, I would generally welcome that. That said, part of what I think I've enjoyed so much about this show through these first three episodes is that it is so kind of independent of the rest of the MCU, despite the fact that it's called Ms. Marvel, and despite the fact that we have Captain uh, Marvel references in it all the time and so forth. It, it feels like its own little corner, the way the Spider-Man films do, where they're both deeply connected because there's Doctor Strange, but also there goes Doctor Strange. Now we're going to deal with Spider-Man only things. Um, if this turns into, you know, episode six is Shang-Chi 
and the Ten Rings and uh, Wong and Captain Marvel all helping Ms. Marvel, I will wonder where the more intimate start of the series had went. Well, I mean, the stakes have certainly increased with this idea that breaking into the Noor dimension is going to require essentially the energy of the sun, bringing in at least name-checking Eric Selvig, um, and the idea that this got the djinn involved, uh, the, the power of the bangle, that if they're going to try to break into it, it could certainly get Carol Danvers involved seen as well in that Shang-Chi post-credit scene. Yeah. Um, I know that in the last week or two, Kevin Feige had the quote somewhere. Uh, he had the quote that, you know, like we're already planning for phase five and the some people saga. Yeah. How some people, some fans out there are just starting to put together the edges of what phase four means and so forth. Um, so while while I like all the pieces that we've had lately and all particularly the Disney Plus shows and the movies have been fine and all of that, it's like we're still coming off of like everything is headed towards Thanos or about Thanos or about the stones. Like things have felt slightly untethered. So the notion that things are going to be coming into greater focus soon, like maybe after we see Thor, we're going to go, oh, so that's how Loki ties together with Ms. Marvel because of things and stuff and how Shang-Chi is informing, you know, I don't know, Hawkeye or th things of that sort. I, I would welcome that clarity. Um, again, I is this the show to start to do it? Maybe yes, maybe no. I, I know that I continue to be tickled pink. I know, as I think all listeners know, I know that things get shot out of order all the time. I know that these productions get looked at more as even if there's multiple directors, they get looked at as a big movie versus um, versus not. But just the notion that after they got done filming episode three, they then filmed the season finale directed by Adil and Bilal. Then the production moved to Thailand for at least five weeks to shoot episodes four and five, where when they were done with episode five, they wrapped on the series before then doing reshoots this past January. Like, Again, none of that is particularly notable because that's how things get made. But again, the notion that after they filmed this episode, they did the end of the season that we're not going to see for another three weeks. It's just like, I'm slightly mind blown. Comron as a djinn, but obviously one uh, born in our dimension, aging at a normal rate, but with the ability to wield some kind of power as well clearly gonna get one yes i think when it comes to Chekhov's guns or story flags or whatever phrase you'd like to put to it it was not on my radar last week that Comron is in line for a for a power a power up a power promotion after this episode um i would say very much so um again kind of shades of I really, really think that they, for this show, they looked at what worked for the Spider-Man films, the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man films. And I'm not saying they've done a copy paste because certainly all of this comic book and TV, uh, comic book uh, film and TV shows, 
you know, pull from tropes and man with a thousand faces and things of that sort. But like the notion that we had Ned get powers in the latest Spider-Man movie. And now there's somebody else who can be the super powered friend in the world of Ms. Marvel. It would seem um, that that's where Kamran is headed. I feel like that makes sense. You know, Bruno, the guy in the chair and so forth. So again, I see if, if they're going to look to any film series to say, how do we do a teenage superhero for Marvel? Like, yeah, I think Spider-Man is, is a good starting point. And if that means powering up Kamran, I'm there for it. And now Matt, with the gin, we open up the other possibility of the Mandalorian crossover with Jin Jarin. I mean, look, they're gonna they're disney's gonna run out of good ideas eventually and there's gonna need to be you know he who shall not be named but really really not named who's gonna work with another interdimensional traveler and bring it all together before it all gets shut down you know crisis on infinite earth style so yeah Pete, it's only a matter of time before the mandalorian comes through and says whoa what is this place Let's scroll down and check the comments section. We ran a Twitter poll, uh, it being wedding day on Ms. Marvel. Uh, what would you want on your plate at a Pakistani wedding? Uh, Pete, which is a long way to say, uh, I was not going to give options that people could downvote. It's a little carryover from the Star Trek thing. There's too much wonderful stuff going on in this show. So, Pete, the choice is weirdly evenly split. Um, so, 23% of respondents said they'd like to try some butter naan. 25, almost 26% said they'd like to try lamb biryani. 23% said chicken korma. And 27.9% said the top choice vegetable jalfrezi. Uh, for actual comments about the show, we hear first from our Captain Noel Gardner at Noel Camille on Twitter. I love this show. Every character brings a charm that just makes me happy. The flashback has so much world built uh, build in a short time. Blue Arm, maybe Cree. Missing Bangle, so two do more than one. And the Ten Rings symbol. Also, Cleary is never around for sketchy DOD stuff, DODC stuff. Why? Pete, I had wondered that as well. Maybe it's a comment to him. Uh, I know you, you know, I know the actor is um, of Iranian background, so I don't know if maybe he's holding back from... He as a character is holding back, or the show does not want to show uh show him being evil pete maybe there's even a good turn for him in the future what are your thoughts there uh i think you might be on something oh okay andre yeager at dr polo 1983 says another great episode now we have part of the history of kamala's great grandmother cool how they're introducing jinns into the mcu we have a ten rings tie and was that a cree with the bangle or a genie will she wind up with both bangles in the end uh, pete great minds think alike things that we've discussed here along the way next up pete is bob uh keely that's at r keely on twitter this show continues to make me happy for lots of different reasons this week though the glimpse into the pakistani wedding celebration is at the top of the list so great to see non-western cultures celebrated while i also enjoy uh, a great plot and characters i think that's very well observed there on bob's part next up from david siller that's at siller david poet Ms. Marvel has delivered again with another thrilling and fun-filled and power-packed episode with all the feels, lovely wedding traditions beautifully portrayed. The I do's and triplicate were wonderful, and I'll use that in the next wedding I officiate. Uh, 
Uh, and a special acknowledgement for the showing shouts of Alu Akbar in a celebratory and joyous context. Definitely not the Hollywood norm. Mm -hmm. Family continues to be lovingly and warmly portrayed. Yusef sneaking a cherry pie. Muniba and Kamala's inside joke concerning Amir's wedding. I'm so stoked that every Marvel production embraces and cultivates its own tone and feel. So even when we get fights and hero tropes and plots, they hit in different and surprising ways. My only complaint about the episode is the hero trope I still find massively exhausting. The friend who gets mad slash feels betrayed about not being told about the powers. I hope they don't drag out Nakia's reaction. In real life, close friends are understanding and supportive. The forced drama of the trope is tired to me. And finally, we all have a new mantra to live by. Good isn't something you are, it's something you do. Our Kamala's with great power, etc., etc. Absolutely can't wait to see what uh, next week brings. Cree stuff, Bangle 2, more Ten Rings references, Aunt Karachi, Ms. Marvel. Stay fantastic. Lots of enthusiasm there, Pete. Yeah. Uh, next, we hear from James the Sagacious. That's at Big Killin on Twitter. Interesting backstory. Hollywood loves kitchen fights. Really hoping for major MCU tie-ins, but also just love these characters. Uh, we hear from Darren Bell, Darth Rasslin 79 Well, I've done a massive U-turn on this series and now eagerly await the next episodes. The story has now got me hooked. Also, can we have living on a prayer for every fight scene? Uh, <laughs> not a bad idea. Uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln, TessLC139 on Twitter, says, Ms. Marvel is entertaining, and I'm enjoying the origin story and related mysteries. It's not it's not a must-watch as soon as it drops show for me, but it's still just as good in completely different ways as other Marvel TV we've gotten on Disney+, and that's a wonderful thing. Ian Silverman, Sylvie underscore 79, says, uh, didn't love this episode quite as much as the first two, but still very solid. Flashback scene at the beginning was interesting and gave good backstory. Wedding dance scene was super fun. Brown Jovi, laughing emoji. Living on a prayer fight scene was excellent. Really enjoying Nakia as a character. Her scene in the mosque with the DODC was outstanding. I was shocked, shocked that those we thought might be on Kamala's side turned out to not be winky emoji. So Kamala's off to Karachi. Might uh, might it look a lot like Thailand? Can't wait for next week. Stay fantastic. Uh, Pete, indeed, I think we all are widely anticipating Thailand will play great Karachi. Yes, but to the point on Nokia there, I think Yasmin Fletcher's done a really, really good job. The one thing I'm fearful of now that her character knows and that she's been made a, a board member are they going to try to frame her somehow as our action, at least in part, moves to Karachi? We hear from LMD Mary. That's at Geek Kirk on Twitter. Okay, this episode suffered for me because I watched it after Kenobi. It was good, but after the first two, which were great, and that finale, it was very much something I liked but didn't love. But based on other Disney Plus shows, by the end of the show, it'll be key to the story. Uh, next up, J Philly B. That's at J Philly B for fandom. Dance sequence into a fight sequence? Yes, please. So the jinn were exiled from Noor, but Aisha, but was Aisha exiled with them or sent to make sure they didn't return? There's a reason the clandestines can't use the bangles themselves and need Kamala. Can't wait for next week. Some good good thoughts and bits there. Rose Ferry at Anna Rose584 says, I was wrong about Kamran, and I'm glad he's trying to help. But he's got to stop calling Bruno Bryan. The Pakistani wedding and stories are amazing. I am learning so much from this show. 
Looking forward to the podcast and your take on this episode. And Pete, last tweet from Strange New Tweets. That's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter. Selvig, shout out. Uh, another fun episode. Ms. Marvel's first fight and she uh, self her own. Uh, poor Brian. I mean, poor, uh, Bruno. The gin turned so quickly. They waited so long. They couldn't wait uh, another few days. Great wedding dance. Looking forward to more. Pete, what do you have over there on Facebook? Steve Adams writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. I enjoyed this third episode of Ms. Marvel, along with some great action scenes. We get some good character work as well. It is clear Bruno has feelings for Kamala beyond friendship. She, of course, is oblivious. Bruno, just tell her, boy, he is doing a great job. I find it hard to believe this is Amon Vellani's first role. I was struck by the close-up shots of her and how she is able to tell Kamala's story even through nothing but facial expressions. She's really putting forth her conflicting emotions without saying a word. I forget the name of the female damage control agent, that's Debers, but I am wondering if she also might be a djinn and maybe even the one that Kamala and the other djinn need to unite against. This was another fun episode, and I hope the fun continues. Until then, stay fantastic, and he spelled it with a PH. Pete, what I like about this theory that Deaver could be a djinn is this. It is a well-worn trope that the goodie fights a baddie who is similarly powered and, and all of that. So the notion a that the in marvel style the baddie has yet to be completely revealed even though it would seem it's najma and company but it, it, it's a tad early for that reveal um just the notion that it could be twist it's someone who we thought was okay we don't really love diver but you know somebody we thought was operating by a certain set of rules versus other rules i like that as a i like that as a twist i really do pete to the email inbox we go uh and this first email uh, is from kyle who says hey guys i'm kyle longtime listener first time caller or emailer i listen to you all the time you're my go-to source for all things marvel star trek and star wars you guys do a great job of adding context to the stories i watch thank you now episode three of ms marvel i'm disappointed at first i thought the Jin would be good guys maybe that's because i've not read any of the comic books they seem so nice initially now why would kamala help them go home I also wanted Kamala to fess up to her parents, but I guess that's not the hero's path. The thing that keeps me watching this show, though, is I'm loving the looks of this particular flavor of American culture. I never knew about the cultural aspects. It's fantastic to get a peek into them. I'm eager for the next episode. So there you go, Pete, someone else who has learned uh, learned about the, the Pakistani view of things through this show. It's been a theme throughout our coverage here, but... You know, pop culture is often a window into regular culture for a lot of people to have that normalized, to be able to see it and to not fear it or think that it's odd or strange through this exposure. Pete, last email here sent in the last hour, by the way. Pete, I won't completely reveal things behind the curtain, but we were going to record a little earlier and then some life things happened so uh so sometimes fate arrives with a capital f pete this email 
from Stacy, aka Stingray, aka Trekgirl88 on Twitter. And Stacy says as follows: Good morning, Matt and Pete. How did she know we'd be reading it in the morning? And here we are. I don't know how it's possible, but every episode of Ms. Marvel has been better than the one before. I didn't expect Amir's wedding this early. I figured it would be a season finale ep, but I think it was perfectly placed and that everything I ho- it was everything I hoped for. Love that Amir and Taisha bo- were both reverent and playful when they said I do. It shows a depth to their relationship that we don't often get with non-main characters. And that dance scene, so good, so fun. Yusef's pep talk to Amir before the wedding was so sweet. Yusef continues to remind me of my dad, which is slightly bittersweet, but also just delightful. I love the idea that Kamala's powers are descended through her, uh, uh, to her through her family, and that they're Jin. It was so unexpected, but it works so well. I love Jin stories, and I hope we get more of them. Kamala's struggle about whether to share what's going on uh, with her feels so real. 16 is an age full of transition, so even without her new powers, there's a lot going on. I love that Muniba shared her story of coming to the U.S. She knows what it's like to feel lost and unsure of herself. And despite how rigid she can seem, she loves her family and wants them safe and happy. Loved Kamala kicking butt at the wedding, Bruno reading a paper by Eric Selvig, and Nakia winning, uh, both winning the spot on the board and asserting herself with the DODC agents. Can't wait to see how Kamala convinces mom they need to go to Karachi and what happens when they get there. As always, looking forward to your thoughts, Pete. That from Stacy. Yeah, no, I I think she's touched a lot of a lot of things here that have people talking about this show and and really excited. And certainly, Pete, our conversation each and every week made possible by those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Busy times around the old podcast watering hole here. And uh, we could not be keeping up this pace if it wasn't with that support. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to contribute at. Can't contribute this month? Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating in seconds. And we really need them on Ms. Marvel right now. We only have three at this point. How is that even possible? Uh, And you can rate any of the 30 Fantastic Geek podcasts feeds help us out just as much there as a monetary donation pete let's certainly keep the ms marvel conversation going as we enter the second half of the series how can people be in touch with you on twitter you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 12,591 followers can't be wrong and while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word, like it today. If you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, tomorrow we talk Kenobi Part 6. And on Sunday, we talk Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Episode 108. If you're here just for Ms. Marvel, we'll be back next Saturday, which is July, what? To talk Ms. Marvel episode four. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. If you help them go home, some things might go boom.